In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, everybody. Ryan Roxy here, and welcome to another edition of In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy uh, podcast. We are now, uh, wow, we're deep into it, aren't we, folks? We've been doing these for a while now, and uh, I usually have um, people that are in the trenches, sort of attached to an iconic name. Well, our guest today is attached to an iconic band. Very long-standing member. Um, very happy to have him on the program. A little bit out of my wheelhouse, to be honest with you, because you know his type of music that he plays with his band. I've been influenced by just by where I grew up, and I'll talk about that later. But at the same time, it's not in my wheelhouse. So that's why I'm really curious to talk about it, get inside his head, see what he thinks about music, the music business, and everything that's going on right now. Would you welcome to In the Trenches, Andreas Kisser. Here you go. Yo. How you doing? How are you, man? Good. good. Long-standing member of the band Sepultura, guitarist Andreas Kisser. Uh, how you doing right now? I heard you're barraged with interviews and stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, I mean, I'm here in Sao Paulo, of course, in quarantine for, uh, uh, I don't know how, how many days, more than a month for sure. And... Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, you know, we here at home, I'm working a lot, I'm studying a lot, you know, we have to reorganize our touring because we're supposed to tour in the States and Canada, uh, like a few weeks ago, supposed to be the last show, we have to postpone the tour, all the festivals in Europe, we had like, like an amazing schedule, you know, for June, July, we just mm-hmm. have a new album coming out and etc. So you know, that respect was a total disaster. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not something that happened only with Sepultura. You know, it happens uh, everywhere and not only the music industry, you know. It's like everywhere. And there are a lot of uh, sections in society that are a lot worse, of course, than us, you know. Right. Uh, of course, we have our business. We have our, you know, uh, our crew, which is suffering, you know, the most around and people who like work with lights and sound and stuff, you know, they depend on everybody touring, regardless of the music style and everything. So, yeah. you know, it's really a tough situation. Ones. Yeah, yeah really no doubt about situation. it. And, but in a way, we have to look at certain ways to mitigate the damage and sort of make the most out of the time that we have. And one of the advantages is we get to talk. Uh, Definitely. And sort of promote the album on a different type of platform, a different type of stage. Exactly. We're, and we're here to talk about the 15th. 15- yeah, I joined Sepultura in April 1987. Uh, Sepultura up to that time had like two uh, independent albums. One like an EP that came out in 1985. And then they, they did, like, in 1986, uh, a full album, their first first full album. The EP was called Bestial Devastation, and the, the album was Morbid Visions. And I joined uh, soon after Morbid Visions. They were doing a few shows, and the, the other guitar player left the band for musical differences, whatever. And then I joined Sepultura. I used to have a band here in Sao Paulo uh, playing with, uh, you know, friends and, and, and uh from school days, you know, like listening to all the heavy metal bands and stuff and right. trying to reproduce the same and everything, you know. So I started kind of early having bands and playing covers. And then Sepultura showed like a, a great opportunity because, you know, Max, Igor and Paolo, they have the same kind of fire that I had, you know, that really to go and, and try to do something with music, you know. Uh, of course, coming from Brazil was very difficult, but at the same time, it created like a, 
a very unique characteristic to our music, you know, not only because of our cultural baggage being Brazilian, but also, you know, we learn in a very different way, let's say, compared to an American or a European, you know. Right. Well, I think the bold move for you guys coming from Sao Paulo, Brazil, um, was that you dove in with thrash metal in English. You weren't going to yes. do it. In, you weren't going to do it in Portuguese. You weren't going to yeah. do it. You know, you were going to sing it in English. And I think that actually always made you guys perhaps maybe unique, a little bit on the outside, but that helped you because it always gave you that exotic love, yeah. feel, right? Definitely. Especially coming from South America, you know, because uh, singing in English was not that odd because our, you know, influences were bands from outside Brazil, of course. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Scorpions being a German band singing in English, you know, uh, uh, Voivod being like a Canadian French band, you know, singing in right. English and Accept, you know, another German band singing in English and uh, Loudness from Japan, you know, also singing in English. So, you know, the, the whole world. English. All that style of music uh, in English, uh, you know, we had kind of like a prejudice against our. our own. Sorry about that. It's just that's one of the uh, that's just one of the hurdles that we have to learn to, you know, deal with. Well, with this is something we we have with internet. Like uh, always, since internet started, you know, <laughs> always there's a problem with the connection and stuff, you know. And now we're feeling more than ever for sure, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the thing I wanted to talk about, because I, I said at the beginning of the show that it was a little bit out of my wheelhouse as far as style of music, you know, I, I but at the same time, we were both listening to the same types of bands growing up very straight yes. ahead. Queen was one yeah. of my favorite bands. Kiss was one of my favorite bands. ACDC. So the, all those click your boxes, right? As Definitely, far as early yeah. influences. Oh, yeah. The uh, heavy metal uh, came to Brazil in the very specific places, you know, like uh, one record store in Sao Paulo called Woodstock Records was the only one who had that kind of import albums, you know, from Venom, from Metallica, you know, Slayer, Destruction. And even before, I mean, of course, we had like Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, the big labels, you know, put it out there throughout the 70s and stuff. And um, but, uh, you know, it was like a very underground, really. Uh, and and learning how the, the the metal scene spread was the same in Brazil. It just started a little later, right, <laughs> you know, right. because like cassette trading and one album, vinyl album, you know, that made the whole neighborhood happy. You know, with the you know that could spread you know the music of one album throughout the different cassettes and stuff. You know, and uh, one guy have like a pin or a button or a t-shirt and stuff. That was a reason to go talk to him. You know, hey, dude, where we got that? You know. Uh, I remember uh, in the subway in Sao Paulo, I saw a guy with a kiss uh, pin, a kiss button. I was just, what the fuck, man? It was like, go, <laughs> you know, seeing something uh, really, you know, glowing out of the, the, the multitude of people in the subway, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. so that was very special, you know, like really pioneering, you know, that type of music here. And I have to say, we, I, I were very privileged, you know, because of my age, because Queen came to Brazil in 1981 to play in a right. big stadium. Kiss came to Brazil in 1983, which was my first show, you know, to see Kiss live and 
that changed my life. You know, that's why I'm here, you know, doing what I do today. And uh, in 1985 came rock and reel, you know, which was an explosion of not only the metal music, but everywhere, you know, it was Ozzy, ACDC, Queen, Algero, Yes, you know, James Taylor, you know, B-52s. And it was insane, you know, it was amazing. And uh, Brazil was going through also like uh, going out of this military dictatorship, you know, that started in 1964. And in 1985 was really opening, you know, for democracy, for elections and all that stuff that uh, it was really exciting times, you know, and Sepultura came out of that as well, 1985, 86, 87, you know. So, and listening to those bands, you know. The way that you say uh, pioneer, and that's a good word because a lot of of people, a lot of writers, critics, and uh, rock writers, journalists, cite you as being sort of the forefront of the second wave of thrash metal, whereas the first wave, maybe Metallica and Thrax, and then like you're saying that music's coming down. And this is where I find the connection with me and you from me growing up in the Bay Area, because yeah. a, lot of the, a lot of the bands that you get cited, that Sepultura gets cited with, come from the Bay Area. Bands like oh, yeah. Testament, Dark Angel, Death Angel, Forbidden, Machine Head. You know, here's two quick Violence. <laughs> Violence, exactly. Testament. I used to go to keg parties when I was Sadus, growing up. Sadus, oh. you know, we toured with Sadus, uh, one of our first tours, you know, also been from Bay Area. <laughs> the, the, the guitar player from Machine Head, I actually gave him guitar lessons when I was growing up in the Bay Area. So no there's way. that connection. <laughs> so I just find it so interesting to me that here's this band from Sao Paulo, Brazil, but all of a sudden you are considered uh, with these other second wave of thrash metal bands um, and you toured with all of them. Did they ever treat you differently because you were from someplace else or, or was it all one big sort of metal group? I, I think they, they all treated us differently in a very good way, you know, because we were received by open arms, you know, with all of them, different bands and the, the media, the magazines, radio, you know, uh, it was really exciting because for the, the scene in general, it was really exciting to have a band from Brazil uh, doing very heavy music and having that kind of uh, a different taste, you know, the Brazilian percussion groove, which although we were not using as explicit as we did, you know, afterwards with Chaos AD and Roots, uh, the drumming was always like that naturally, you know, and, uh, and somehow we got like a, a, a different, you know, spice there that really raise some eyebrows outside, you know, and we got our chances, you know, in 1989, we, 1988, actually, we signed with Roadrunner Records, we recorded the Beneath the Remains album, and 1989 was the first time Sepultura was worldwide released officially, and then not, uh, you know, later we were touring, yeah, for Beneath the Remains with Sodom in Europe, our wow. first show was in Vienna, you know, in 1989, and and already we saw people with Sepultura shirts singing the lyrics of our album, new album. I mean, that really blew my mind, you know, like people from Hungary, from uh, Slovenia, from Austria, you know, all those places. You realize that it's a worldwide. Sepultura, yeah. Yeah. It's so a worldwide thing. So things are moving along. I got to think that 1991 then with the, with the album Arise and then the subsequent tour, that has yeah. to be a turning point in oh, yeah. his career. No and then all of a sudden you see what happens to on a worldwide level with the band's Definitely. popularity. Yeah. No doubt about it. Our Rise was a, the perfect dream album, you know, because doing Beneath the Remains, 
the record label was not really, you know, 100% sure. Signing a band from Brazil was a risk, you know, a big move for them and, uh, and for ourselves too. So Benito Remains was really a great experience to prepare ourselves, especially touring and, you know, doing tours outside Brazil and, and learning a little bit how the business work and stuff. Arise, we were in a much better situation. The label was full power. You know, we went to Florida to record with Scott Burns at the Morris Sound Studios in Tampa, you know, at the mecca of that metal, you know, death and Morbid Angel and stuff. All that stuff that really influenced Sepultura a lot, you know, in the early days. And uh, and the Arise Tour took almost three years, you know. We we went everywhere. We we did the new Titans on the block in the in the United States with Sacred Reich, Napalm Death, and Sick of It All. What a great mixture, you know. Right. Uh, that's and, where the uh, synergy of all these bands works, and that's how the scene. Amazing! It's yeah. one of uh, one of our historical tours, and then we toured with Ozzy Osbourne and Alice in Chains, you know, for the first time in America. We went to Australia, to Japan. We played Rock and Rio Festival for the first time in '91. So, you know, Arise was really bah, exploded. You know, everything for for us and for Sepultura around the world. You know, can you remember the first time you saw a Sepultura patch logo on the back of a jean jacket? <laughs> It was very hard to find, you know, especially in Germany, because they had like thousands of bands, you know, everywhere. Right. They, have they room, still do. You know? They, yeah. you know, they still do. But uh, I have to say one of uh, that was really, you know, of course, I mean, very emotional for us was when Rob Halford, you know, came a few years ago with a whole, you know, a great jacket or something. I don't know how you call that with the Benito Remains patch on it. You know, oh, yeah, wow. French coat, yeah. And Benito Remains was there, you know, so, oh, my God, you know, the metal god. <laughs> but Rob <laughs> Halford, we met Rob Halford for the first time at Rock in Rio in 91. You know, backstage, Judas Priest was there, Guns N' Roses, Megadeth, you know, and Queensryche. And mm -hmm. uh, we were there, you know, opening that and stuff, you know. And it was our first connection with a god like that. And he was so nice, you know, so, I mean, uh, respectful, you know, to see this Brazilian band just like, you know, with big eyes, you know, uh, trying to absorb everything that was going on, you know. So, uh, and, um, you know, it was so inspiring and motivating for us, you know, that we, it showed us that we were doing something special and somehow we were going to, our, you know, the right track. <laughs> right. Well, I, I always love to hear, you know, when bands come from a seemingly impossible position you know, even geographically, you're, you're not yeah. in a, you're not in Los Angeles. You're not in Florida. You're not in the Bay area. You're in San Paulo, but you yeah. end up conquering and being on top of the whole thrash metal scene. I'm just always curious about how much of the business you guys understood, or did you just take bow your heads down tour, 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 or was there someone there always studying about the, the particulars you know dude we were doing music and always our management and business were a fucking mess you know part of <laughs> my french <laughs> no, it's, that's a story man that, that's, that's a common occurrence we know that right oh my god man to, a family involved you know like a very difficult to deal uh, rationally with business some parts doing stuff like that was amazing it was great you know we could do crazy stuff like going to the tribe indian tribe and stuff Sepultura was always fearless about that, but was uh, over time was very confusing, you know. And and uh, we we did our whole career basically like that, just like five or four or five years ago that we we finally, you know, 
going through many different management and, and ways of doing Sepultura business and stuff. We have something really, you know, organized and no dramas. You know, we have uh, stuff here in Brazil, Europe and the United States connected, a great relationship with the, our labels uh, in the States and, you know, the world, Brazil, Japan. Um, we have a great relationship with our old members, you know, not like a straight, like a, a friendship or nothing, but business-wise, you know, yeah, between you our, our, yeah, our lawyers and managers, you know, we have old, uh, old stuff that is so, you know, beneath the remains, we just re-release like a double album vinyl and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have to do stuff together. You know, we, we did amazing things together, you know, and, uh, and still people talks about that, you know, you see people talking about chaos or arise or roots or whatever, you know, and we're still here doing Sepultura after 36 years, probably with our best, best album ever, you know, Quadra is, uh, is something that's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's so special for us. Yeah. It's a shame that we're not having a chance to go on the, on the road, you know, but, uh, yeah. but like I said, I mean, um, very inspiring to hear you talk about that because I, I can hear the passion in your voice and for some, for someone that's been in a band and I, of course you have, uh, original members and you have, uh, it gets complicated along the road. Obviously I, you know, playing with Alice Cooper, the, the original band is still coming, you know, they come around to the shows and we yeah. still jam and we can still, uh, you know, cause at the end of the day, what you guys have all created is a legacy and you continue Definitely. to do it. And I'm glad to see that things have worked out business wise where you have a system now, but just so you know, bands out there that are listening, it like he's like Andreas says, it can get pretty hairy in the beginning because there'll always be someone that's trying to take this or take that yeah. or sign for too much. And you don't really know about contract yeah. negotiation. Yeah. You just want to rock and roll. So the contract with the, with signing 1988, you know, with Roadrunner was a, you know, a, a paper like that, like pages of pages of pages, you know, in English and, and, um, and we translated for some reason to Portuguese and it was even bigger and we couldn't understand anything, you know, it was just like, uh, no lawyers could understand that like seven albums. Who, what, what band does that? You know, <laughs> I mean, we were even like slaves there for some, from some, from some time, you know, right. after, Rise and KUZD was going on. We we kind of changed the contract a little bit to be more just, but you know, it was insane, you know. But uh, we signed, you know, it was like uh, Robert Johnson, you know, on the crossroads, <laughs> signing oh, yeah, the contract, oh, yeah. like with blind, the you know, let's go, <laughs> let's go for it, you know. Ah, and we did, you want... and we learned a lot doing that, you know. It, it was crazy, but uh, that you, you you're never gonna learn that in a in a classroom, you know, anywhere. No. You learned it. You learned it sometimes the hard way, but at the end of the day, you you learned it by playing. And then you did gig, gig, gig. You also have been in other associated acts. There's a. I read somewhere. Did you ever tour around Brazil or São Paulo in a Beatles esque band? Did that happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I played um, with this band from. Um, from Brazil, which is a different state here from Sao Paulo. Uh, the city is called Vitória. And uh, they played the Beatles for, I don't know, more than 30 years now. They, they started as a radio show and then they created this band. And they go to Liverpool for the Beatle Week every year for 28 or 29 years. I don't know how many years. It's insane. They broke the record there, you know. <laughs> and the Beatle Week happens every August 
in Liverpool and bands from all over the world go there to to celebrate the the music and the the legacy of the Beatles, you know. And and I, I was invited to uh, to play with this band from Brazil to go to Liverpool and and I, I played at the Cavern Club. I played awesome. where Ringo Starr presented uh, uh, with the Beatles for the first time. I I went to the John Lennon School and stuff. It's it's a, such a fantastic festival, you know. It's 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 so great, you know. Uh, and uh, it was very emotional, you know, to play at the Cavern Club. I went there twice with this band, and I, I got honored with the brick, you know, at the Wall of Fame of the Cavern Club. Can you imagine? It's like <laughs> I think it was the first Brazilian to have that honor, you know, very nice. because you of my got story the brick? with the, Yeah, it's amazing, man. It's you a, still got you know. the brick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you, you all, know, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Well, you you also played with a, a band with someone I, that I know from uh, Mana. You played with Alex, and you saw you had a, you, you had a, uh, a, a, a. Is it is it currently happening, or is it? Oh, some, yeah. is it? It's, it's an arrangement of a supergroup, De La Tierra. I'm trying to figure out what is La Tierra. What does it mean? De La Tierra is uh, from the earth or from the land. You know, I told tierra, you, Vic. I told you. Earth, it was, yeah. no. <laughs> I tell tierra. my producer all these things, and he goes, "No, no, no." And there you go. You have that meaning, you know, from planet Earth, from you know the Earth, but also from the land, you know, from our region, from Latin America, that kind of stuff. We do heavy metal singing in Portuguese and Spanish, and uh, it's very interesting. It's Alex Gonzalez on drums, you know, from Ana, Andres Jimenez uh, from Argentina, from the band Animal. And the bass player is uh, Harold Hopkins Miranda from uh, Puya, from Puerto Rico. And uh, it's great. We have two albums out, the La Tierra 1 and 2. And we're working on a third one, you know. Uh, we're supposed perfect. to be in Miami now in May, you know, to start recording the album and etc. But uh, with everything happening, you know, so uh, we postponed that as well. But we're just doing stuff on, online too, you know. We just put out uh, a version of a song of our second album, Puro. Uh, acoustically, you know, each one of our in our homes, you know, create this video and you can check on the La Tierra uh, YouTube page, you know, the La Tierra Oficial uh, mm -hmm. YouTube page. So we're working on that, like the same as Sepultura, you know, we we creating this every Wednesday. We have this uh, Sepultura afternoon. We have two hours that we're going to do a live Q&A. We're going to present a song. We're going to talk about the past, you know, about the albums, touring and recording. So nice. every Wednesday we have this uh, we call Sepulcuarta. You know, for Quarta is Wednesday, Quarta Feira. Uh, as we see, it's like Sunday, Monday, uh, Tuesday, and Wednesday, like the fourth day of the week. You know, because okay. here in Brazil, uh, we, we count like that. Segunda, Terça, and Quarta. You know, so Sunday okay. is the first day. So it, it, it's, it connect, uh, connected uh, also with the concept of the album. You know, Quadra, numerology, geometry, and stuff. So we created this. You know, we had to postpone the tour, cancel the tour. So... We are keeping this connection with them every Wednesday. Something new coming up, so, uh, a new member is going to be at the live Q&A and stuff, so etc. So it's sepultura.com.br and you, you yeah. can connect that every Wednesday to, to live, have an interaction with us, you know. That's great, man. I mean, you actually are staying more busy, perhaps, in quarantine no doubt about than it. if you would. <laughs> you uh, know, it's funny because uh, it's like the Star Trek, you know. As soon as you close your computer uh, when you're working, you're already there at your home, at your home, you know. It's, it's like true, putting, right? pushing the bottom of, uh, you know, <laughs> talent transportation and stuff, you know. It's, it's very yeah. great because there's no time of... Uh, you know, to pick up a car, to go to your job or to go to whatever you do, you know, everything is here, you know, it's a right, whole right real there. concept. Absolutely. Well, the way we met, because you've already displayed from the Beatles to, you know, Kiss fan 
and then of course your own band and your own style with Sepultura. And uh, but we met at the Alice Cooper concert in San Paulo in I believe it was 2017. We uh, we played a show with Guns N' Roses, and then you came up on stage and just killed it with uh, a little bit of Schools Out, right? Thank you, man. <laughs> no, this, this is this uh, this is insane. You know, it's like really, it's really hard even to talk about because, you know, you always dream, you know, to play with your idols and stuff. You know, like uh, mine was Queen and Kiss, and of course, Alice Cooper was the first big artist that came down to South America and to Brazil, 1974 or 76. You know, we play a big show here. Played one the, of the, the biggest shows ever. Yeah, he's the ever. biggest indoor biggest indoor show. I think it's still in yeah. the Guinness Book of World Records. That it, show because Alice reminds 150,000 people or something. I mean, more than 100,000 yeah. for sure. And uh, at the peak of the the military uh, dictatorship here, you know, it was crazy. I was very young. I was like six years old or even less, and and mm-hmm. I don't don't remember very very well, you know. But you know, I have I have that with me, you know, uh, and to play with him, uh, to jam with him and you guys and Nita, you know. Uh, it, it, you know, welcoming. You know, Alice Cooper is, is such a a unique, down to earth guy. You know, and uh, I met him when I used to live in Phoenix. You know, because uh, uh, for a time we were signed with Sony, and uh, and Bob Pfeiffer, you know, was our A and R. And Bob Pfeiffer was really good friends from uh, Alice Cooper, and and they love golfing and stuff. And once uh, I went to to meet Alice Cooper in a golf course, <laughs> you know, he was playing there and I spent like, you know, half hour talking to him and Bob Pfeiffer make the connection and stuff, you know, so, and 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 uh, Hollywood Vampires as well. And, and uh, when they came down to Rock and Rio, you know, I played the same song I did with you guys and stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'm very Let's... thankful, man. Very thankful. You know, you, you guys were really, welcoming you know you 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 made us and and all the people that were with me you know of course made us feel home you know i, I really appreciate that every, every that was day. a thrill for us too because that was uh the first time i'd ever played sao paulo um wow. i ended up playing you know in what a is situation, it a big, fantastic a, a nice coliseum it was a nice stadium and oh, yeah, of stadium. course play, play, playing with guns and roses and obviously huge huge hyped band and huge popular band there that was a beautiful night was biggest yeah it was a beautiful night it really was um i wanted to because you talked to me about the bands that you were influenced by but being that we're both guitar players i think we have some of the same similar influences guitar players if you had just to, to list you know one or two of your top guitar playing guys who who would or girls who would they be yeah man i mean i'm I mean, that question is always very hard for a guitar player <laughs> to, yeah. to answer, you know. There's you. so many. And, you know, I always uh, had my uh, open mind, you know, to, to, to listen to different styles of music. But uh, I think Randy Rhodes and Tony Iommi, you know, because, you because this world, you know, it's always most important for me. I mean, uh, of course, Brian May uh, um, and uh, and Ace mm-hmm. Freely and Paul Stanley, you know, but uh, I think Randy Rhodes was the really the one who, because I love classical guitar as well, you know, and Randy Rhodes loved that word. He he brought a little bit of that information to to metal. I love Stevie Howie from Yes, you know, also with the classical influence, you know, yeah. Rick Wakeman, Richie Blackmore, you know, all, they they all had a John Lord, you know, the Purple. You know, I, I, asked, I asked for two. You gave me a dozen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, leave it, leave it with Randy Rhodes and Todd Iommi. You know, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, because I have this theory that we kind of always play the shape of the guitar 
from the guitar hero that we listen to a lot or you know that what is your because your shape though is more of a strat shape so could that be an eric clapton thing well yeah i mean hendrix even i i started uh my first actually guitar professional guitar let's say you know uh it was this charvel that i still have today you know uh, because i I love radio roads and you know of course jakey lee you know i was there at the Rock and Rio Festival in 1985, you know, Bark on the Moon tour, you know, I saw Ozzy Osbourne and Tommy Aldridge, you know, all that beautiful, you know, lineup and stuff, you know, so that was very strong influence on me, you know, and uh, and the Jackson Randy Rhodes was my dream, you know, and 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 I was so lucky, you know, that Sepultura started to happen. Uh, my first show that I saw here that I, I was mentioning, Kiss in 1983, Creatures of the Night tour, Vinnie Vincent was the guitar player. And I, I learned later that all those Randy Rhodes guitars supposed to be for Randy Rhodes, you know, because he died like a few months uh, earlier. Wow. No way. So all of Vinny's guitars were, were actually supposed to be for Randy. Yeah. All the Vinny guitars supposed to be for Randy Rhodes, you know, and, and Vinny, for some reason, took all those guitars. I think he was connected with the, the company or something like that. And he brought all those guitars on that tour, you know, so somehow I was... That was my connection with Randy Rhodes live. <laughs> you know, I saw at least his guitars, you know, live uh, as a part of my, the show that changed my life, you know. So that was pretty cool that I learned that later. I said, wow, man, this is great because Randy Rhodes, I never had the chance to see him live. He died so young and stuff, you know. Ozzy uh, came, came to Brazil in 1985 with Jakey Lee. So if Randy was alive, it would be a big chance that he was still in the band in 85 with Ozzy and stuff. You know? and maybe not, who knows, but... Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, that connection was really cool. So I had many Randy Rhodes model guitars that I, I was connected and used for many years. But, uh, and then on, on the thousands, I started with Fender, you know, working with yeah. Fender and the Stratcaster and of course, Richie Blackmore, I think, uh, and Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix, you know, the yes. Stratocaster is, is beautiful. Yeah. I, agree. I love it. <laughs> I agree. No, I, I have one in my arsenal as well. Um, I was thinking because every guitar player you're mentioning has such a unique, great tone. Have you been working on, have you, have you experimented with different amps? Are you a one amp, one company sort of guy, or have you gone through different companies through the years and found your sort of ultimate setup yet? Yeah, not really. Uh, I mean, on touring, I use Mesa Boogie, you know, Tri-Axis and, uh, and the power. uh, Power banks and stuff? Yeah, the, the power amp and stuff, 500 watts and stuff was amazing. Mesa Boogie cabinets from a rise, you know, up to, I don't know, whatever, you know, Kairos or something. And right. uh, like 10 or 12 years ago, I started using Orange, you know. Uh, Orange was really a great surprise for me. The same with Stratocaster, you know, because when the Billy Seagull from Fender came to me and said, hey, you know, let's try to to use Fender for Sepultura and stuff. I was a little skeptical, you know, but uh, uh, although, you know, Gary Holt, another great influence, you know, also had like Stratocaster playing Exodus and stuff, you know, and, and Kirk Hammett as well he, on the Ride the Lightning tour was using a lot of Stratocasters and stuff. So, you know, I gave it a try and really worked great, you know. And then uh, Orange Amps was really more vintage type of vibe that I, I felt more freedom with my sound life, you know, mm-hmm. of course in the studio, I use anything and everything, you know, but. And that kind uh, of gone back to Tony Iommi sort of, because I remember uh, Tony Iommi back in the early days used orange amps as well. Uh, yeah. 
that was a big uh, uh, reason as well. You know, if Tony did it, you know, it must be all right. <laughs> well, you mentioned Rock and Rio, and that is actually pretty much the the for all metal fans and for all rock and roll fans, everybody that's sort of like the Mecca of festivals, rock and Rio that very few bands get to play. And we, and we got to play it a couple of years ago. And I know that the new album was released when you guys played that, right? Yeah. Yeah. We played there last year, uh, really presenting the, the, the cover, the artwork of the album. We presented a, a new song, which was the song isolation, uh, which was not written for the quarantine, but uh, <laughs> you know now that it makes a lot, a, the whole difference. Makes a lot sense, of sense, know? yeah. It's yeah. Almost too <laughs> uh, and um, and also we we presented the name of the album, you know, Quadro all at once at Rock and Rio. So every Rock and Rio that we did was very special. We always used, let's say, in in uh, the the opportunity, you know, to do something special, unique, to present something new. We always connected. Like the first Rock and Rio we did in '91 was the release of Arise. You know, the album was not even out worldwide. We just released a special uh, pre-mix release here in Brazil. And today this vinyl is a collector's item. You know, it, it was uh, released a few copies just for us to have something new to play at Rock and Rio. You know, and Arise came a few months later. Uh, out worldwide and etc. So Rock and Rio had a very special connection uh, with Sepultura and myself. I did many different projects in different stages. You know, the festival grew so much, you know, yeah. and um, it's amazing. It's always an amazing experience. Every time I play at Rock and Rio, I feel I leave that stage a better musician or a better professional, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Because it's really... a, a a great school, you know. Is it it's, it's is it kind of freaky to think that like what what will in the future, even when we're past all this, you know, as far as the whole lockdown thing, what will festival life be like? Ne you know, next year, I know, man. Even yeah, because is everybody willing to go put their dip their toe back in the water and be scrunched together with eighty thousand people? I know you guys have probably paid the Vakken Festival. Oh in yeah, Germany. and so and and Rock and Rio is no different. It's it's you're crammed next to each other for many many days in a row. Yeah. and is it is I'm just it freaks me out sometimes that if there's bands coming up right now, I want I really hope that they get that opportunity to have to play those festivals. I, I yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a really different world, you know, already is, you know, how are you going to perceive time and space and, you know, right. uh, and money uh, and everything, you know, what kind of jobs we're going to have, you know? Uh, and I think the shows and entertainment uh, will, will be very slow come back and, and who knows how, you know, yeah. uh, I think now, a visa or a passport is not even important anymore. It's just like your vaccination, you know, right. uh, certificate. Could yeah, could <laughs> you be. know, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to to move. You know, basically. So it's really a fucked up situation. Uh, and the most sad, the saddest thing is that it was totally avoidable. You know, right. uh, we're not that stupid. I mean, no. the human being is really stupid, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's like a no, that's stupid. Yeah. Come on, I mean, I guarantee it. Really, I mean, what the fuck, man? I mean, we see it coming. We just don't care. We watch movies and stuff, and we figure out, and we've, and now we're here. You know, and uh, yeah. but uh, at the same time, I think uh, as an artist, you know, I think it's a great time for opportunity. You know, to show a different way, 
to 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 see the Create. open windows and open doors you know not the yeah. closed door that it shut it right in front of us you know but move around i mean uh yeah. you know what will be uh, the world without uh picasso or you know stravinsky or yeah. beatles the beatles you know they changed the world not only the music uh, but they changed uh, society you know yeah. for better or worse there's another discussion but it changed you know and uh yeah. And the art, art really is the first place that we're going to see new possibilities, you know, and that's very exciting as well. Well, I think what you touched on, you made a good point, is that entertainment, that's going to have people still need to be yeah. entertained at the end of the day, Definitely. whether they're locked in a house or they're, or they're free to roam wherever they want to be entertained. People have obviously been want to be entertained by Sepultura. You've been doing it since the 1980s and you continue to build and, and prolong this legacy of, of an incredible thrash metal band and other bands and type styles of music that keep on enduring. I just think that uh, we just have to, like you said, Look for the open windows. Don't beat our head against the exactly. one that we already know about. Let's fly through the open window. And I'm wishing you all the success in the world with the new album, Quadra. I know there's going Thank to be uh, stages for you to play. If it's not this year, then we're looking at next year. But you're promoting the hell out of it now. And I appreciate you coming on in the trenches and giving us a little bit of your time and telling us about, you know, the sort of, sort of people that haven't, you know, known about they've heard sepultura from uh, is from sao paulo brazil but then they didn't know all the stories they didn't know you were a, a, a beatles fanatic as well and uh <laughs> at the same time That's you great. know i'm glad that you came on shared some stories with us i hope to have you on again in the trenches when we're back out on the road and we're crossing paths but uh andreas kitzer thanks for being on and um actually if people want you have a bunch of live streams you mentioned earlier i just want you to go through those again because people will want to come and check you out and Definitely. find out all there and i know that you're on instagram at andreas andreas Kisser, yeah my, okay. my name and again about the live streams that you got going on yeah the uh, like i said you know the event every wednesday we're gonna have uh, a sepultura event starting at 4 p.m brazilian time which will be noon Pacific Standard Time, and in Europe, it's going to be 9 p.m. Central European Time. You know, so we're going to go live, we're going to chat, we're going to play, we're going to perform from our history, and every Wednesday, we're going to have a different story, a different album, a different chat, you know, so that's going to be a new connection, and we're going to create new possibilities every Wednesday together with you guys, you know, with everyone. I mean, we uh, unite sepultura.com.br that's the address you have to click every Wednesday uh, live and be a part of it you know so uh, I really appreciate the time and Ryan thank you very much cool well hang pleasure out jamming with you a pleasure <laughs> chatting with you we'll do it again Andreas hold on just one second I'm just going to tell our, our viewers um, if you are watching it on the YouTube platform uh, Vic has put up all the uh, pertinent links that you'll have if you're listening to it um, as a podcast uh, come and check out ryanroxy.com to find out all information plus all the links that Andreas gave you for Sepultura um, follow us both on Instagram at Andreas Kisser and at Ryan Roxy again it's been a great one hanging out with Andreas Gisser from the band Sepultura. We'll see you Thank next you. time in the trenches. In the trenches with Ryan Roxy.